to Stock Talk Podcast, where topics are covered and questions are answered across all parts of the show stock industry. Get ready to learn and laugh with your hosts, Trevor Kirkpatrick and Corey Edge. Well, Stock Talk Nation, uh, we want first and foremost to apologize for the postponement. Um, technology is good when it works, Corey Edge. But when it doesn't, it becomes a royal pain in our butt. So here's yeah. what happened. Um, as you know, Levi Richards is on this week. And luckily, his portion of the episode uh, stayed intact. However, um, as you probably know, Corey and I kind of record it separately for our intros and outros. Um, we did it and started gelling things together a little bit. And Corey and I's part was not there. Not not anywhere. No. So um, it's sad because we got pretty fired up about some of the things too, yeah. which is I don't know. But it, it worked thing. out, I think. Yeah. Because um, we are in person. This is not. Uh, uh, we're not states away. Um, Corey had a show in uh, Maryland. How was the show in Maryland? <clears throat> well, it was barely in Maryland. Uh, kind of like the the corner of. West Virginia, PA, and Maryland. Uh, it was a nice show. Not not a huge show, but it was a nice show. Um, I'm a little upset that my third overall goat decided not to cooperate in the backdrop area because he was a monster in the uh, in the show ring for the Grand Drive. Mm, yeah, pretty unfortunate, but uh, really good show. Um, nice sheep, great showman. Uh, the junior, no, 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 intermediate. See, uh, showmanship division on the sheep side was wild, like very, very, very good. Mm. How, so, how old? Uh, I guess the intermediates probably would have been like 14 to oh, yeah, intermediates 16. are tough. I feel like that's the age where seniors can get like a little, um, uninterested at times. Like, there's some that are very into it in the yeah. seniors, but most of them are kind of like just there for their last year, yeah. But the intermediates, it seems like they're all in. Seniors were good, too. Seniors are really good. I would like to give a personal shout-out. There is a uh, little girl who, for her, I don't know how old she was. I must say, like, six or seven. Mm -hmm. Killer. Like, uh, I, um, one of the the kids that uh, showed Sheep Force the first time this year, just won his county fair, he uh, shows a lot of cattle. Show some hogs too, but I told him, I was like, when he was starting to show sheep, that I'm like, buddy, you can literally show a freaking penguin. <laughs> if we had a penguin show, you you would be the best penguin show. That would That's, fit right into Derek's breeding ship and show him yeah. of the North Pole. Yeah, he uh, he is that talented hmm. of a showman. Like, doesn't matter what species it is, if he's there and showing it, it's like nuts, wicked. Yeah, love it. So, so the reason anyway, that that little girl, similar, similar style. Yeah, that's awesome. So Corey, uh, he uh, stopped here in Eastern Ohio on his way through to the show. Stayed the day, the on the way back to go back home. So this actually worked out. We're in person. In person interviews are always better. Yeah, uh, and we got a lot to talk about. So I don't, I don't have my good mic, so my audio yeah. probably doesn't sound very it's good. You and the microphones, man. I'm telling you, I don't know. We, we got to figure is. this out. I know, uh, but mainly, uh, at least you're here, and 
this better save or I'll be pretty livid. So, uh, thank you for your patience. Talk, talk nation. Uh, we were going to fire this out. We apologize for taking the week off, but, uh, somebody that never takes a week off. It seems, um, that's a little bit of everywhere is Walton webcasting segue. I'm mock copping it. Um, so I'm very thankful for him. I say this a lot, but man, oh man, uh, it's County fair season. State fair season is, is a, a coming upon us. And I just love watching livestock shows. And now they're dipping into kind of like the radio equestrian world. Uh, and that's pretty cool. Um, they kind of have the skybox view on some of those. Yep. Um, so that's nifty. Um, but yeah, our folks at Walton are top notch. And if you have a show that you're wanting to get uh, in the archives, I'd suggest you hit up Walton. Um, mainly because like... Say it's 95 degrees at your fair, and grandma and grandpa want to watch, but it's also 95 degrees, and maybe they have some health issues. They can watch it from the comfort of their living room if you've got Walton there at your show. So why not book a show with Walton? Uh, become a part of the subscriptions because you do get access uh, to the archives, and uh, Walton Webcasting is just uh, a big piece of our industry here. Yeah. And there shouldn't really be any excuse not to have them at a major stock show. Yeah, BLE uh, needs to get on that, by the way. Well, just a, the thing is, is I think people now are so used to being able to watch shows from home because of yeah. Alton that if they're not broadcasted, kind of sucks. I'm not yeah. going to lie. Like, yeah. I was really looking forward to watching MLE. Oh, yeah, that's and, true. Uh, yeah, nothing. Huh. Didn't have anything. So anybody affiliated with MLE get going yeah get it done yeah it was kind of cool they did uh similar setup that they did last year mle did mm -hmm. showed under those tents and stuff oh that's kind of cool the branch i wondered how much rounds. of that stuff would stick around you know i know kind of cool yeah um also uh showpig.com a big part of what we do here and show cattle connections on the the went group umbrella um boy there's some interesting frozen semen lots coming into play uh ooh. Getting excited. Going to try to buy, buy a little bit. I well, I'm I'm getting I'm getting antsy. I don't think I need it quite yet. Like I, yeah. I'm just I'm just hesitant to jump. But I'm telling you what, frozen semen, um, used livestock equipment. Obviously, show pigs, bread gilts are coming up here pretty soon. Open gilts, baby pigs again. <laughs> uh, it's all on showpig.com, and you can get frozen genetics. Uh, obviously, cattle, buying cattle, selling cattle on Show Cattle Connection. So. Uh, the group there, we're, we still have a lot of uh, exciting things coming down uh, with the uh, Wint group, but um, with that comes a lot of thought. So we're thankful to have them as part of the team as well. Yes, I I was quite impressed by your show pig setup you got in your barn right now. Oh, yeah? Um, I finally get to see it in person, Yeah, and I understand now the latches that you have. Yes. We probably should post a picture of what latches yeah. you have so the people from the last episode... Yeah. Hey, and I got to tell you, I got to give Jeremy Newman a, a huge oh, yeah. shout out. He is the guy that uh, custom made my pins. People who know me know how picky I am. Like I told you in the last episode, mm -hmm. how picky I am about gates and the way they're made and the latches. And I, I'm just one of those people who like it a certain way. And Jeremy straight up did a, a knockout job i mean They're they are nice. durable they did every, he did everything i wanted it to do and he's wanting to make a little business out of it so i'm going to post a, a picture once things are done a little tidy in the show barn 
Um, I suggest you check him out and check him out on uh, Facebook or get a hold of me and I can give you his number. Uh, he's on the very western side of Ohio, so not that far from Indiana. I'm sure he could be shipping it some other places, but show pins are awesome. Huge shout out to Jeremy Newman. Uh, he is a welder by profession and he raises show pigs. So when you got a livestock mind making your gates, way different from just a welder welding metal together. He kind of does it right. So Yeah, yeah. You could tell that he had been around livestock before. Yes. yes. The way things were put together, the spacing of the vertical bars. Yeah. Yeah. The height of uh, the bar across that you can clip feeders oh, to. Yep. You know, sometimes they're a little too high, but they don't understand, like, the size of sale baby pigs. Yeah. Versus, like, if you were to put a maybe a show size boar in there. Mm. So yep. he, he figured a way to do both. And I was pretty excited about it. So yeah. anyway, thank you for that. Uh, pretty excited. We got water line out to the barn. A lot of construction going on here at the Kirk House. Yeah. Yesterday, you guys, uh, well, I say yesterday, we're recording this on a Sunday. So yesterday, you guys did have uh, somebody come out. And I was very impressed with the shape the yard is in. When I got back, I yeah. just figured to be mounds of dirt. But they packed that stuff back in there and I know. leveled it we, out. We've talked about this before. I, I kind of like my yard a specific way and nice and clean and tidy and weedy and all that. I was a little worried about that because, you know, you're, you're digging up the earth. But he did a really good job. Yeah. I was I was kind of happy about that. Yeah. Just so. need, need a little reseed and go yeah. from there. Yeah. Well, um, we, we need to stick with our uh, holy buckets. Yeah. Um, because I told it. Uh, on the recording that we lost, and it's just going to be just as exciting. Um, because my Holy Buckets moment this past week, we actually had two weeks worth, so I'll save this past week's for next week, if that makes sense. Mm. So I'm just yep. going to retell it. Um, last Monday, not this past Monday, but the Monday previous, uh, as you're listening to this on a Wednesday, um, I had the day off, and I was going to judge a show in Indiana. So uh, I was, you know, pretty pumped up. Indiana's good show pig industry in itself. And um, I was fired up. I set the alarm at 5 a.m. Uh, it was, you know, kind of northern Indiana. So it was going to be roughly a three and a half hour trip. Um, no problem. I can get there. And um, was headed that way. And uh, we've got the, the Kirky's crew Snapchat group, right? And we send a lot of funny information back and forth. Probably can't open it in public most of the time, but I just kind of said I was getting tired and sent a group snap out that said, I hope X County is worth it, LOL, you know, kind of just being funny. And in the group, everybody's like, yeah, you know, whatever, whatever. And then I saw Garrett Sproul specifically pop up, type something, but then never send it and go away. Did that like three times. I'm like, what's going on, Garrett? Just kind of saw it out of the corner of my eye. Then I get a phone call from Garrett, Garrett Sproul. Pascal's good friend. And he's like, uh, hey, where are you at? I'm like, oh, I'm about an hour and a half from the fairgrounds here in, uh, in Indiana. Oh, really? I said, yeah. He's like, well, so am I. Like, oh, you got some hogs there that you're, uh, you're going to be watching? Or no, um, you told me to judge this one for you. I was like, holy buckets, now what? So come to find out. Uh, back up three weeks previous to this, um, the show manager sent me a text message that said, Hey, can you send me a bio? Looking forward to having you on Tuesday, July 20th. 
And I'm thinking, oh, crap, I do not have a contract. I looked in my calendar, looked in my file. No contract for July 20th. So I try to do this every time that happens, a scheduling conflict. I call Garrett and like, hey, can you do this show for me? It's in Indiana, July 20th. And I've got one on Monday, but I can't do that one. Like, yep, no problem. So um, I'm on my way to Indiana. So is Garrett. We're going to the same show that is actually on Monday. The person who sent me the text message sent me sent both of us the wrong date. So we got the same contract for the 19th. We're both headed to the same show to judge the same show. So I'm sitting like, holy buckets. How the heck are we going to figure this out? And it was an absolute disaster. Uh, but... Uh, they ended up taking Garrett's contract because his was, his was the most current because I technically told them that I couldn't do it, although it was the wrong date. I took the day off work. So anyway, I turned around, came home, went to Menards, and worked on my barn. So it was it was all in all a very, very long trip to Menards. But uh, yeah, that's my Holy Buckets moment. The... Uh, that's, that's, that's awful. <laughs> I, I specifically remember uh, Garrett saying in that, snap group that they said uh wow i can't believe that we have two judges we can barely get one judge yeah to come that every was, year and that didn't sit well that'll me. just show you the organization that happens at that level very interesting i um i don't think i've ever had that happen maybe once before where they double booked a judge yeah but it wasn't the same person that made the call. It was two different people. Oh yeah, one person thought they were supposed to get the sheep judge, uh, and they were supposed to get a different judge, uh, like for a different species. And then another person thought that they were supposed to get the sheep judge, and they were the actual person that was supposed to get the sheep judge. So I had two different people uh, were calling on judges for this show, and we both showed up at the same time. One of us ended up doing two divisions of showmanship and the market lamb show, and the other one did two divisions of showmanship. And oh, so at least they show. like split it up, so you didn't waste your time. Well, I drove like four hours to get there. Oh, to do to do two divisions of showmanship, and and uh, I did I did the market lambs. Oh, all right, and it was it was um, not a very big show either. <laughs> And so we both were like, wonder if we're going to get like what they said they were going to pay us. Yeah. And I was a little upset by it, you know, uh-huh. similar situation that, you know, you think you're supposed to be judging a show and yeah. Anyway. So I, uh, yeah, we, we actually, they ended up feeling bad for what they did. So they, they booked, uh, or they, Ended up paying us both what we were supposed to be paid. That's okay, pretty cool. Here's another actually. one. Did another show in Illinois. Well, I was supposed to do it because uh, I had done it the year before, and it was a two-year deal. And uh, I texted the guy um, about two weeks before the show and said, hey, just want to make sure, like, good to go here. You know, my contract says two years on it. Just wanted to make sure we're fine. He says, yep, here's the... Here's the time, whatever, you got to be there. So I show up, and there's somebody else standing in the ring, and I go and introduce myself. I said, you know, Corey Edge, judging the sheep show. Do you know so-and-so's around? He's like, I think I'm judging the sheep show today. (laughs) (laughs) 
so here's an interesting one. They told me, Corey, you're not going to be judging the show today. This guy's going to be judging the show. Said, okay, it was just, what was the deal? They said, well, uh, the person that called this person was not aware that you were on a two-year contract, and they already booked him. And since they Uh, showed up first, here's the thing. I was like 25 minutes early, and they showed up first before me. So they let him so judge they the got show, to judge. Uh, but they paid me in full for just coming. For just coming. Whoa, that's. I, I drove like an hour and a half. Wow. It, and it, this county paid very, very good. Hey, I commend them for doing that. I I do too, but I just to me, like, get your stuff together. Yeah, I I was half tempted to just give that money back and say, put it towards the auction or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Like give it back, but at the time I was a little mad. So, yeah. Well, um, yeah. The, my holy buckets moment didn't even. I haven't seen nothing, and I, I drove four hundred twenty miles round trip for nothing. Jeez. So, at least you got something. That's at least that's a little over two hundred dollars in, Food, yeah, mileage. Yep, yep. But you know, whatever. Yeah. I just kind of, I'll be back in Indiana a couple times. I'm looking forward to it. Actually, oh yeah, this week. Speaking of Walton, yeah. Um, so what? It, what it was your holy buckets moment? Did you? Uh listen. We we had a very popular episode last week or two weeks ago, I guess now, about county fairs. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And again, love the county fair system as far as the grassroots of what it brings to our livestock industry and teaching young people, giving them a place to start. Yep. Okay. Keep that in mind. It is a breeding ground though for jealousy, Mm. for absolutely terrible attitudes. Yes. Could be. Yep. And it's also a breeding ground for people to start nasty rumors. Oh, yeah. About other people. Definitely. Okay. Listen, I'm not saying that winning is everything. Because I don't think winning is everything. But, by God, if I'm hauling one to the county fair, I'm going to go try to win it. Well, why not? Yeah. Right? Great family of ours I mentioned earlier. Uh, I will not mention names. I'm going to leave names out of this. Okay. Okay. Uh had a very nice weather from us that they bought online, that they took home, they got ready, I helped them out, okay? I was there, told them what to do, wrapping legs, exercise, feed, all that stuff, okay? We get to the county fair. Uh, now, they had a ULAM from us also. Okay. Okay? I don't want to discuss the quality of job that was done at our county fair as far as sorting on the, especially the U side. Mm-hmm. I don't want to discuss that. Okay. This U lamb, very, very, very good. Very good. Cheap. Got third in class. Okay. Don't want to talk about it. <laughs> Still this U lamb a week before the county fair. Uh, yeah. A week before the county fair had ringworm something fierce. Oh, okay. So they said, Hey, We've got a goat in our weather here. We don't want to get the rest of the barn infected right before the county fair. So 
They said, can we bring her back to your house so she can get better and not get everything else sick? Absolutely. That's fine. Don't want to risk you guys not being able to show your weathers. So bring him back, get to our house, uh, and dad kills the ringworm. Two days before the county fair, he said, hey, this ringworm is dead. No risk of getting anything else infected. Would you still like to show her at the county fair? She was still entered. Mm-hmm. And so they said, yep, we'll show her. In hindsight, should have probably just left her home. Right. Because she got waxed for no reason. Um, but there was, uh, there was another family there. It had been fairly competitive at this county fair. And so um, I had caught wind that they were more or less just saying, hey, uh, this this weather that this kid's showing has been at Edge's house the whole time. Oh, dear God. I saw that coming. And so, I mean, he's good cheap. He, he won, obviously. Can I just say? Yeah. Get the facts before you start saying crap. Like... If you want to know something, come and ask me. Holy buckets. All right. Sorry. Yeah. No, exactly. So when I when I learned of this, I was just like, holy buckets. Like, come on. Yeah. It, it's it's the county fair. Yeah, we're gonna we're gonna try to get a good one to our county every year. Yeah, of course. Um and that's fine. And and I'd like to give kids an opportunity to be successful and win. And if they buy a sheep for me, I'm gonna help them out. Right. And and tell them what to feed and tell them how to exercise and I I didn't do anything to get this sheep ready other than text advice. Yeah. Prepare or the family. Call advice, whatever. Um I went over and helped with showmanship a few times. Yeah. Like part of it. Man, customer service, right? But holy buckets, people, like it's the county fair. All right. Again, we love county fairs. But if this is your end-all, be-all show, and you have to create rumors about somebody that wins your county uh, because you're jealous or um, or just assume that because somebody brings a good one that has never shown sheep before, by the way. Yep. Oh, that's... That somehow they're cheating. Yep. Or they well, you see, you aren't can't, doing it right. You can't be successful without cheating, Corey. You know, that that just. You're right. Whatever. God. <laughs> Holy buckets. Uh, that was. That really. Yeah, that's a good really one. Chat me. That. Uh, whatever. All right. Yeah. Well, I love the Holy Buckets moments because I think about them now mm-hmm. that we have this segment. And uh, yeah, so who knows? That could be even sponsored. Holy Buckets moment. If you want to. Holy why not? Holy Buckets. Um, Any bucket manufacturers out there? Yeah. <laughs> hey, there is nothing better than a good five-gallon bucket. Oh, my. I mean, you want to talk about one of the most reliable farm tools? Five-gallon bucket. Yep, for sure. Talk about it. Um, so, uh, speaking of another segment that is uh, unsponsored, that is probably the most popular podcasting segment of the entire industry is Breed em, Ship em, Show em. Yeah. And, um, you know, it's still out there uh, for sponsorship. I'm loving this because we, we're getting calls in uh, more and more. And uh, this week, uh, we have our friend Max Look that called in. He's back. He's back. 
uh, with a vengeance because this one's this one's a heater. So uh, you too can send in your Breedem Ship and Show them or just say hey. Uh, hotline number is 234-320-0457. Give us a call, 234-320-0457. Now, here we go. Let's get into this week's Freedom Ship and Show. Hi, fellas. Max Look from Peoria, Illinois. Uh, just figured I'd give you a call in uh, and hit you with a little bit of Breed One, Ship One, Show One. Uh, given the season of county fairs uh, allows me just a little more windshield time, uh, and one, based upon um, my first two attempts, you know that windshield time can make a guy go crazy. So third time's the charm here. Uh, obviously, when I'm driving around uh, judging pig shows and such, uh, the mind gets brewing, and I also do four-stud tour stops, and all of a sudden, you know, chaos ensues in my mind. Uh, I think I got a pretty good one here for you. Uh, when we talk about just iconic Barra sires, uh, we'll call it recent uh, or modern Barra sires, uh, I think I got three good ones for you to pick from. Uh, you got the opportunity between Dirty, Best Man, and Cruel Intentions. Uh, no gimmicks, no situations. Uh, you got to breed one, ship one, show one. Proceed with caution um, because either you're going to create uh, a Texas-sized Donnie Brook between uh, Lackey, Wintex, and Brockman, or they're going to team up against you. Uh, we all know how that North versus South thing always shakes out. So, uh, like I said, proceed with caution, be nice, uh, and enjoy uh, feeling like an idiot by the time it's all done All right, I do, guys. So I really think Max Look, Max Look really likes to just throw wrenches at us like dodgeball. And see what we do because it is impossible a to not make one of these breeders mad if they ever listen to this podcast and b which one are you going to ship really I because all right I did some vetting did some research because yeah this yeah. deal is this is a heater okay for all of our show pig folks out there this is insane we might as well call this the breed them ship them show them men of the year because in 2018 dirty secret. Man of the year. Going back a couple more years, 2015, best man, man of the year. Mm -hmm. Then the most recent man of the year, cruel intentions. Yeah. I'd like for somebody to take three days, a full three days, and mark down how many champions there were of these three boars. Wolf. Yeah. Wolf. Major champions. Here's the thing. Each one of them has, has put so many... Boars back in studs. So many yeah. sons of each one of these, and and the females work. Yeah, that's see that that's something we overlook. I think is I know Max says show Barra sires, but the females. Yeah, work. yeah, Barra Barra sires. Barra Barra. Uh, so in our hotline, it kind of transcripts it for us, mm-hmm. and Barras was B A R R A S. Barras. <laughs> so. Um, Who's firing first at this? Who's going to take a stab? I'll go first. Okay. All uh, right. Let's see what you got. I hate I hate this, but here's what we're going to do. So, I, listen. You got, sometimes you just got to get with the times. Okay. Okay. And best man had one of the most dominant runs of all time. Yep. Man of the year in 15, mm-hmm. 
I could not tell you off the top of my head the last time Best Man Seaman was sold or offered or true or you know the last time a Best Man Barrow was shown. I must say, probably sixteen, seventeen. Makes sense. Mm-hmm. So that's five years ago, yeah. four years ago. Well, so the changes that we've made in five years are pretty. Mm-hmm. Pretty significant. So then you got Dirty and you've got Cruel, who both in the last three years have won big shows, big majors, big, yeah, big shows, and put lots of high dollar sons that are selling lots of semen uh, instead. So, Will Winner, do not hate me. Best man was probably one of the best boars I've ever seen in my entire life in person. Mm-hmm. Just a unique creature. I would have loved to shown him or sell, sold him or owned him and bred him. But for the sake of the argument I'm about to make for the other two, I'm going to ship best man. Oof. That's, how'd that taste come out of your mouth? Like garbage. <laughs> okay. And I only say that because of this. Cruel Intentions is not a show bore. If I you agree. go on Brockman's website to his reference sires and look up his picture, he has an ugly sow head. He's pale. He's just rough looking. Okay. Mm-hmm. Now, I'm not saying that if you don't truly evaluate the boar for what he is, he has some incredible pieces to study in that picture. But... If you're gonna take one to an event and show them, probably not, probably not your pick. Yep. Okay. However, Dirty Secret did not live long enough. I could agree with that too. For our industry, as far as crossbreds are concerned, but that boar, as a show boar, even today, would dominate and sell for a pile, and we will never know how much Dirty Secret would be worth. Mm. At the time. So, I am going to breed Cruel Intentions. He's more current, because Max did say current show bear size. I'm all going off the scenario. Yeah. I'm going to breed Cruel. I'm going to show Dirty. And I'm going to ship Best Man. Now, if they're all in their prime, I'll probably do something a little different, but that's where I'm, that's I'm just your story. Going, that's my story. I'm sticking to it. Dirty Secrets dead. I would love to show him when he was alive three years ago. Mm-hmm. Oh, my goodness. So here, I mean, I, I know he said no gimmicks, no no craziness, but I would like to know, like, are we doing this with the other sons out there that they've already produced? Or, like, this is when before? Hey, let's talk about the fact that the cruel intentions Dirty Secret mating is insanely good. Yeah. Oh, my mean. So, like, here's my initial thought. I, I, I agree with the fact that Cruel is not the show bore in himself. Right. In and of himself. Yeah. Like, you show that one, and everybody's like, wow, that one's got, like, some Different. holy buckets pieces. But probably not fluffy and cute enough to be a show bore. And I'm not saying all show bores need to be cute and fluffy, but... you. Hopefully you get what I'm saying here. And kind of an outcross pedigree on the bottom side of his deal. Yeah. 
Yeah. Really, really his whole pedigree. Is Which brings me to a point um, in the show pig deal. We get really focused on like, okay, like what about next intention? My intention. Like we get into those. Don't forget who daddy is. Right. So mm-hmm, we go back to grandpa and maybe dig into that pedigree or like, hey, let's get back to where it come from instead of the newest, latest, greatest thing, which is fine. I, I have no problem using those, but let's, yeah. let's not forget that. Mm-hmm. So I, I uh, Dirty Secret, did go too young. Yep. And I think that one is the show bore. Like, I think he is an attractive, crispy-looking, good hind-legged show bear bore. Yep. Like, I think, I, I think I'm showing that one. Best Man Incredible Piece is probably n- not on a completeness basis like he has the out there next level yes. pieces yes but not not just the complete look that dirty had right so um now don't get me wrong i think cruel is just tapping the iceberg with his sons uh even some of the daughters that are out there i know this is Shobera sire readership show but i think cruel is just starting i mean like we've already seen the impact but the prolonged impact is just starting yeah because if you think about what Dirty and Best Man have already done, well, you know, Cruel's already catching up there. So here's the thing. I think Best Man is really the only one I haven't talked about. And you were exactly right with the freaky out there pieces. Like, way out there. Um, and Will would be the first one to tell you, like, he did not want that stuff to get out. Like, he, it, it is on the Wintex farm. Yep, It's his pieces. He's going to keep them. For that reason alone, if I ever had the chance to breed that dude in my own place, I'd probably do the exact same thing. I'm breeding best, man, because I think his pieces are so incredible. And even today, with some of the ones that are a little too fragile but good looking, yep, that one could bring us back to where you're not wrong. We're like we're balking them back up. They're not skinny chested. They're also good looking because there's probably a cruel daughter that I'm going to breed that one too. I mean, those best man bears set the trend. Yeah. I mean, they, they were so far ahead of when he was influencing at the time that he set the trend for how them things needed to be as far yeah. as bulk and, and skull and feature and forearm. And yep. Yeah. So, um, I guess I'm a little different in the fact that uh, now as hot as Cruel has been, I can't believe that I'm going to ship him, but I think that's what I'm going to do because he's not the show bearer boar, and I think I could tap into a lot of the uh, pedigrees that Dirty and Best Man have. Cruel is already dominating. Like I I can't believe I, you know, any of these boars, why the heck would you ship them? I mean, like, I feel stupid even talking about it. Yeah, I do feel dumb. But uh, he's not the show bearer boar. I would love to breed best man, so by default, I think... You show dirty. I show dirty. Well, so we both agree you probably show dirty. Yeah. He's probably worth a pile of money in a... A large know, so. amount, yes. But it just comes down to, are you breeding best man, or are you breeding yeah. cruel? Yeah, and like, I'm sure the trend is to probably breed cruel, but... I just think if I had the opportunity to utilize Best Man like Wintex Farms did, and obviously... Semi-closed environment. Yes. I think that yeah. would be absolutely incredible. And so would Cruel, all these boars. But yeah. that's that's my story. I mean, we hey, are really... There's, there's, there's no reason to debate because I think my reasoning and your reasoning make sense. Yeah. 
I'm not going to argue with you about it. Yep. It's wild. Yep. Wow. All right. Well, hotline, hotline's hot. Hotline's hot. You can be part of it. 234-320-0457. And uh, I would be remiss not to bring your brother back into the picture because oh. he, he kind of, he just makes things a happy day. Tanner's Tales. Here we go. What's going on, Stock Talk Nation? Tanner Edge, back again. Uh, going to throw a dad joke at you because that's what I love doing the most. Well, there's a lot of things I love to do, but this is at the top of the list for sure. Um, so uh, do you guys know what the difference between the bird flu and the swine flu is? Well, the bird flu requires tweetment, and the swine flu requires oinkment. Thank you. Thank you very much. <laughs> that guy. <laughs> uh, dang it. I wonder, does he have like a black book of all of his dad jokes? Dude, I don't know. Some Sometimes I swear he just off the dome with some of those. <laughs> And uh, that's. <laughs> I wonder how his horse is doing. Uh, Mayo. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I wonder if he still nays. Gosh dang it! Oh. It is. It is fun for us because we're both dads now to uh, to bounce dad jokes off each other. There is there's a couple TikTok accounts, dad joke TikTok accounts that are incredible. Yeah. And uh, yeah, that's. Uh, <laughs> Dad jokes are incredible in themselves. Uh, shoot. Hey, I got a couple dad jokes. Oh, boy. I'm going to tell you a story about when I was... Um, <laughs> so, I was the MC for the Stark County, Illinois Fair Queen pageant. <laughs> oh, you were. I was. Uh, and it, I kind of got get voluntold to do this by my wife, but... I'm not going to lie. I do kind of enjoy it. Uh-huh. It's kind of fun. Um, so my wife uh, and Emily Iliff, Jay Iliff's uh, wife, are best friends. And uh, she, she, they are the uh, directors for this Fair Queen pageant. Oh, kind of cool. Yeah. Uh, so I'm thinking, how do I, how do I have a good time? How do I engage the crowd? How do I make them laugh? Whatever. Uh, so I come up with like a semi set list of dad jokes. I start off with, um, with the show. I just, I said, uh, Oh, what's uh what's a chicken's favorite Rihanna song? Bok, 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 bok. I don't get it. It's the melody. Oh. <laughs> anyway, I grilled. Uh, I did grill a chicken for a couple hours last week. Still wouldn't tell me why it crossed the road. <laughs> oh my god, these are like way dad jokes. <laughs> I know uh, two two chicken jokes back to back. Back to back, back to back. Yeah, some people might call me a comedian. <laughs> Dear God, oh, we're losing our audience. Yeah, I, uh, I know. I did not. Uh, I did. I did close with this. I said, "Now I just want everybody to know I, I've recently taken a new position as the head of uh, Old McDonald's Farm. I am the CIEIO." <laughs> Dear God! <laughs> oh my God! 
Well, there you go, folks. You've yeah. got a plethora of uh, dad jokes for your entire week. One per yeah. day. Yeah. Oh, man. I love it. Tanner's yeah. Tales, too. Tanner's Tales. We should, we should come up with a theme song for Tanner's Tales. Oh, yeah. All right. Let's work on that. Yeah. With among the thousand other things we said we were going to do. I know. Whatever. Well, um, I'm going to let you do what you do because uh, they've been patient. Uh, our, our listeners have been patient because it's been a full week of nothingness in the stock talk world. So this will all work out and it'll be worth the wait. Corey Edge, bring in the guests. In the words of Chris Collinsworth, here's a guy that started his own show cow selling business has gotten out, diving back in. So there's a little bit of a interesting story to how Levi Richards got started into the industry. Came from nothing. Mm-hmm. Now he is leading a team of experts at a extremely competitive show feeds business. He and his family are growing with a recent, what, six-week-old, mm-hmm. seven-week-old now. Hey, I'm just telling you guys, you're going to really like this one. Welcome to the podcast, Mr. Levi Richards. Cool. Well, uh, for those who don't know you, um, and I'm sure many do here in Ohio in the Midwest, but uh, and now that you're a part of the podcast, they've at least heard you a couple times. So why don't you give a little background right? <laughs> about yourself and uh, where you're from and what you do? Yeah, so my name is Levi Richards. I'm from outside of Bowling Green, Ohio, and I work for Kalmbach Feeds. Um, if you're from the Midwest or most part of the country now, you've heard of at least Kalmbach Feeds. And I head up the Formula Champions Division as well as uh, kind of a regional sales manager. So um, stay pretty busy between that. And I've got uh, five kids at home and my lovely wife. And we stay busy with them just getting into showing some livestock and uh, doing a little bit of everything. So Yeah, you just welcomed a, a new son, right? Yeah, yeah. Baby Tegan was born here just a few weeks ago. He's uh, going to be six weeks old this week. Oh, so, man. Yeah. It's a, it's a crazy circus here at this house between getting livestock around and, and babies running everywhere. So it's a, it's a fun place. <laughs> hey, at least you have some hair on your head still, which is good. Uh, ah, well, you know, it seems like it disappears little by little with each kid. So I <laughs> seem tell, to be getting more crap that. for that every time people see me. <laughs> well, when you get to five, you can't expect to have much left. <laughs> right, right, right. That's hilarious. Shoot. So, so how, how did you get started in the livestock industry and is it something you grew up in or uh, something you took notice yeah. of maybe when you were younger? It's, it's really interesting because I was not born into it and my parents had nothing to do with livestock whatsoever. And, and still to this day, for the most part, they really don't. Um, so we, I, was, I was raised in a little town outside of here called Bradner. And, um, when I was like 10, my parents built a house out in the country and just so happened like this block out in the country that we, that we moved to, there were several show stock and livestock families. And, uh, you know, some of the kids I went to school with were, were showing cattle and pigs and, you know, just kind of something, you know, I'd go hang out at a friend's house and, 
you know, just go out there. And because I was there, we tied up steers. And I was like, well, God, this is kind of cool, you know. <laughs> and little by little, I would ask mom and dad to, to kind of get into that. And, you know, they'd let me do like the grease pig at first. And then that evolved into getting some horses. That evolved into showing some sheep. And, and Corey, you'll like this. Uh, our first sheep cost 60 bucks a piece. So you can only imagine how how good those sheep were. <laughs> uh, they were market lambs. Well, I'll, I won't call them market lambs. They were weathers out of frame sheep Suffolk. So you can okay. imagine $60 frame sheep weathers and how competitive we were. Uh, we had no idea what we were doing. Just just no clue. Uh, we did that for a couple years. And I, I think my dad was the one that he he's, saw that we could get into the cattle thing. I never really knew if it was going to be realistic for us or not. Um, you know, my, so just to back up a, a second here, my dad was a uh, mechanical fabricator and he was home about every other weekend while I was growing up. Um, he traveled the country, you know, putting in plants for Tropicana and different glass and, and uh, plastics um, manufacturer. So he was, he was pretty busy and I just never knew if showing cattle was going to be in my deck of cards because, you know, I didn't have like dad at home seven days a week to be able to help me do stuff like that. But, you know, thank God they kind of gave me that opportunity. And, you know, a couple of those families, one in particular, right around the corner from us that had, uh, three girls at home, they, you know, they kind of took us under their wing and, you know, showed us uh, the ropes on, on showing cattle and, you know, to this day, you know, the people that got me started like that and just, just helped us from the beginning are still some of my favorite people in the world. Um, but you know, that eventually snowballed and snowballed and we wanted to get more competitive. And that guy that was helping us was out in Nebraska looking at calves at uh, Ward Eckloff. And my dad happened to be working in Kansas city when he was there. And, you know, Dave called my dad and was like, Hey, you need to go out to Ward. There's a lot of calves out here running around. They're pretty good. And we kind of started a relationship with him and it, it really, really kind of took off from there. And that's, that's when we, I guess, became more competitive just even outside of the County level. Um, so it, it's funny going from $60 sheep to, you know, steers from Ward Eckloff within about a four year period, but uh, it took off pretty quickly and, and thank God for mom and dad for helping pay for it. Cause God knows that's not cheap. <laughs> um, you know, so yeah, it it, it kind of took off from there, like I said, and and you know started showing the steers from war, and we became more competitive at the state level, and you know still to this day, like I said, Ward Eckloff's one of my favorite people in the world, and um, have a great relationship with him. But you know, I I think I think showing livestock and just you know the connections you make with people just helps open so many doors, you know, as you guys know, and uh, you know it it became apparent that that livestock was something I was going to want to do for, for a long time, forever, you know, as a career and everything. And, um, I ended up going to Ohio state university, ATI in Worcester, um, met some awesome folks there. Um, you know, still real good friends with some of those people there and see them quite often. And, um, yeah, you know, one thing just kind of leads to another, you know, and, and from ATI, uh, I ended up instead of transferring when it came time to transfer, um, my wife or who's now my wife, uh, Kayla, she was going out to Lakeland to start judging. 
And uh, I looked around to see what was out there and actually found a job with Christensen Farms. So instead of transferring on from ATI to main campus or anywhere else, I moved out to Illinois there with her and uh, became a, a farrowing manager at a, a farm that had 50,000 sows. So, um, you know, and the funny thing, you know, like out of, out of all species, I had the, the least swine experience, but I think they almost probably preferred that because then they can kind of train you, um, you know, to their way of doing things and right. you don't go in with your own little, your own little way of, of operating. So, um, you know, that was fun. And I'll tell you what, that's one job that everybody should do for a year. You should, everybody should have to go out and work in a farrowing house for a year because the things you learn and just the, you know, you get up at, at 3 a.m., you got to be there for uh, about 2 o'clock is kind of what I think our hours were. And, um, you know, just just the things that, that you go through working in a farrowing house. I mean, my position, I, my position was called a day one specialist. So those sows became mine on the day they were due. Uh, unless they, they happened to farrow a day or two early, they became mine then. I was essentially the ob and for sap, you know, and uh, as soon as those babies were 24 hours old, then they were somebody else's pigs and I moved on to the next one. Um, but cool place, um, really, really cool experience. Uh, I certainly did not want to do that forever. And eventually we moved back here to Ohio and uh, I started looking around a little bit here. So, you know, I think as, as we went on here, I was helping a, a guy outside of Finley with a herd of about 50 uh, run his place. Um, just, just a small show cattle operation. And in the meantime, still kind of looking for the right opportunity. And I ended up working for a poet plant, which is an ethanol plant as a grain buyer. Um, again, I wasn't born onto a, you know, a grain farming operation. So uh, doing that and I did really enjoy it, but again, kind of knew after a while that wasn't something I wanted to do forever. So I eventually landed into a co-op system here, and uh, I was a branch manager of two different branches, which was really interesting because um, at the age of 23, I had, I believe, eight or nine employees, and they were all much older than I. Mm -hmm. So you want to talk about a 23-year-old walking in and being like, yeah, hey, I'm, uh, I'm the boss. <laughs> um, yeah, no. It was it was interesting, but, but, uh, we had a good thing going and, uh, I, I had a lot of fun with those guys. And what I quickly learned there was exactly where I wanted to fit into this agriculture world because it became apparent in no time that I had really started growing the feed side of that co-op. Um, and the feed numbers were really taken off and I was doing anything and everything from putting in a drive through, through the old warehouse, and you know bringing in multiple lines and all kinds of different things there to grow the feed numbers and, and delivering feed for free on the lunch breaks just anything customer service i could to drive feed sales i fell in love with it that's what i wanted to do and it it quickly really took off we got a lot more feet in the door than what's probably been in that co-op store in i bet 50 years and um I, you know, from there, I actually had a couple offers come up from a couple different feed companies on where to go. Um, so I, or I had, had some choices on where to go at about the same time. And um, I ended up with Kambach and, and I'm so glad that I did. Uh, what an incredible it's been uh, to work for and a great group of, of people. Um, 
I really liked that Combach Feeds was family owned and it seemed less corporate. Uh, if you know what I mean, like he still got some of the family feel, even for the size of the company. So, um, Combach Feeds is kind of where I, where I got in and got started. Now, in the meantime of all this, um, we start having some show cattle sales. Uh, my brother was working on the end of his show career and I was trying to help make the most of it. Um, he ended up, uh, winning junior nationals in Grand Island, Nebraska with a really cool shorthorn steer. Uh, he also won the Shorthorn Plus Futurity Show at Louisville, I believe the last year they ever had it. Um, so, you know, we got got some cool wins in there. He had a really, really fun last couple of years. Uh, but we started we started selling some calves every fall, uh, usually like 20 to 30. It was never huge, but it was enough, uh, you know, for just Kayla and I and, and whoever wanted to come in and help us, you know, that day or that weekend. Um, it was enough work for all of us to keep keep things moving along and stayed really busy because I was one that I said, if we're going to sell these, we're going to follow them hard and we're going to get, you know, the best customer service we can. And, and I was going to every one of these best shows on the weekends, you know, the circuit shows in Ohio and uh, some bunch of shows in Michigan and some outside States, just clipping and fitting and doing whatever I can to these guys. And, you know, checking up on them, making sure they're they're feeding the right products and and things are going right for the cattle that we're selling. And um, we 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 had a good little run. I mean, we we were selling calves. I think we did like eight years in a row. We had a, a really nice, pretty substantial little sale. And uh, within that group, you know, we had um, another junior nationals champion in Tulsa uh, for the Cordes family and. Um, Oh, we won the, the prospect show at Ohio State Fair with one we actually raised. We just had about a dozen cows, um, and that was kind of what it whittled down to. We For a few years, we were raising some sheep, um, but, you know, the, the cattle's a little heavier of the focus. So after a couple years and we, we figured out we had to pick one or the other, we picked the cattle and, and kind of ran with it. Um, so, you know, I guess fast forward to now, um, you know, just by – getting so busy in the feed world and raising kids we did have to sell out uh, our small herd of cows which was uh, an impossible decision to make and really heartbreaking to let those last couple go um, especially once you start pumping out little calves that you know can go win the prospect show at state fair and stuff we were just kind of getting getting some really cool babies hit the ground and it just wasn't going to work you know as, as for time wise my dad still had his traveling job my brother was busy in college and uh, couldn't give me much time with the cows and it pretty much came down to me and, you know, we didn't have all the land at our own property. There's only limited pasture at my mom and dad's. And I was kind of tired of running back and forth of there to there, um, just to take care of the cows. So we had to make that decision and, uh, we, we chose to sell them and kind of just to focus on jockeying some calves for a couple years. And then now to now, uh, where I think this is going to be the first year we're not selling calves here at the farm. Um, because I feel like as my oldest couple kids are getting started, we're going to these shows and I don't want to shorthand any of my customers by taking care of my kids as cattle and vice versa. I don't want to shorthand my kids by taking care of my customers cattle. So, you know, I think that's something where a lot of these younger guys that are selling cattle or sheep or pigs or goats or whatever, you know, they've got to figure out how exactly this is all going to work. And, and I, I so strongly commend and look up to some of these guys that are able to pull it off and make it all work. But, you know, we were always a very small operation. We never got very big. 
So it was, I think it was a little bit harder to make it, make it a go without having, you know, like a full-time farmhand here working things back at home or, you know, a second person taking care of customers or anything like that. So yeah, that's where we are. Yeah. Levi, you bring up a good point and, and something we really haven't touched a whole bunch on, uh, on this show, but you know, the, the realization of maybe dialing it back is one that I think is hard for people to come to. Like if, if you're fresh out of college, uh, you're, you're young, you're young, 20 something, and you're, you're very excited about the future. You, maybe you've had a couple wins under your belt or you've helped some families and and Mm -hmm. found success. That moment of, of just mature realization saying that, Hey, maybe it's just not feasible right now. Um, is, yeah. is a tough thing to come to. And, and a lot of people try to make it work and, and they do what they can. Um, but raising livestock in a competitive setting is just financially taxing on somebody. And if you're not, Oh boy. Prepared, right. Yeah. If you're not prepared to do that, I mean, it can, it can ruin you in a hurry. And, and I feel like there's some people <laughs> that found success early in, in, in their livestock careers and, maybe tried to chase it a little too fast and got the cart ahead of the horse and and, you bet. and didn't make it long-term. So I, well, let me say this. I <laughs> would be one of those people. I have no doubt because I am not financially responsible enough to manage that. <laughs> but <laughs> thankfully my wife is an absolute saint. Um, you know, not only is she the, she's the person that makes it all possible for us to be able to do all this and manages everything in the background, because I, I would go, I, I'm the guy that wants to just take on the world. Okay. And, and she is very much a getter, but she grounded, you know, she keeps my feet on the ground and, you know, she's the one that, that helps me do the budgeting and says, all right, what's realistic for us to spend this year um, on a steer or on a couple lambs or, you know, what do you think time comes around next spring? We're already talking about what, what our budgets are going to look like. And she's very much the, the main person behind that. So thank mm-hmm. God I have her because I'd be one of those bankrupt people you're talking about. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'd be living in a van down by the river. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There for a minute, I was wondering if we might've married the same person. Cause my wife is very much the same way. And uh, uh-huh. yeah, but that's, you know, something I, I hadn't really thought about, but you know, you, you get, uh, you get these young, just hungry, I don't want to call them kids because shoot, I'm not too far off, but you know, they're, they're yeah, just young yeah. and hungry for success and, and they know what it tastes like and, and they're so close and they built great connections, but it just, the money ain't right yet. And, and that's the hard part yeah. to, to realize is you can't, uh, you can't burn yourself out uh, early yeah. just, just to chase, chase a dream. And I'm not saying you can't dream and that sort of thing, but. Well, and I think there's another piece of it too, that. is if you get started trying so hard to do it that way and you end up actually doing average and even you know you're kind of behind the eight ball and maybe it's just a financial burden or whatever don't have enough time or you know well i can't clean Mm -hmm. those pens and i I can't do this can't do that just because of time sake well then you kind of start your career at a level that you're not even expecting you want to you want to start at a level that people remember you by and that they come back to you to buy those livestock by, but you don't want to start off being average because then that starts the thought of like, Hmm, well, 
he was a good showman, but now I'm not so, you know, you don't even want the public right. to, to question right. that. So, yeah, kind of start when you're ready, yeah. I guess. And uh, but boy, I'm yeah. I, I'm kind of hypocritical in saying that because I'm the first to jump in with both feet and just take on the world, kind of yeah. like you said, Levi. But uh, you know, I think just trying well, to do you're it. You're totally smart. right. You know, it's kind of a, a kind of a fake it till you make it. You know, in the beginning, because you're I, what you're saying is exactly what I went through. You know, I was remembered as just I think probably being an all right showman. People probably remembered uh, a couple calves that I drug around. I was known for having a couple pretty good red steers, and I had a white shorthorn heifer I showed in the crossbreds all year and won the points. And you know, with the shorthorn in the crossbreds, and, and people still remember, hey, didn't you have that white heifer? And that's how people remembered me. They didn't remember me by selling calves because I never raised a calf that was worth a crap, and you know, until you know, God knows when. Um, so yeah, it, it was very much fake it till you make it, you know, and and you know, you spend your nights just, you know, reading like, uh, some marketing books and, and trying to figure out how you can really establish, establish a brand and what your brand looks like. Uh, and your brand doesn't even have to be, you know, it's, it's way more than a logo. You know, mm -hmm. I love seeing when people start a farm, they think the first thing you got to have is a logo. And it's like, no, no, buddy, that's, that's the, that's the cart. Let's put the horse first. Let's start your operation. Let's see what you're actually going to be good at. And I mm -hmm. think it takes a while to figure out your spot. Um, before you even, you know, can establish what your brand is and who you are. Right. So, yeah. You're totally yep. right. Yep. Absolutely. Well, and, and don't mistake the grind being lost by taking a step mm -hmm. back and being realistic. Mm -hmm. Like you can still yeah. have hustle, but not have, you know, 75 to hundred cows. Maybe you need to dial back to 10. And or that 15. is a really hard thing to accomplish and a hard realization to come yep. to is who you actually are right. sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. You bet. You bet. Do you choose TMD? If you don't, you should, because Jay Starbell at Tarbell Marketing and Design is one of the best in the industry when it comes to graphic design, marketing, and design work. Folks, he is on top of the game. He thinks outside the box. If you don't know, you should by now visit choosetmd.com because the difference is in the details. So I want to jump in uh, yeah. to talk a little bit about uh, your your showman. Uh, you said you've got five kids mm -hmm. and um, I think your oldest is eight, nine, somewhere in there. So my oldest is 10. That's okay. Gavin. Gavin yep. is 10. And too. he... And then I've got a daughter, Jaden, that's nine. Okay. So both of those two are showing. Then I've got Bentley's five, uh, Beckett is one, and then Tegan was just born in June. Goodness gracious. That's a so, whole, yeah. whole yeah. another herd in itself. <laughs> but anyway, the the topic that uh -huh. I, we kind of like to ask, uh, and we've done this before, but it, it's, it's nice to have different thoughts on it, is, you know, there's families out there who uh, maybe mom and dad do most of the work or big brother, big sister. Mm -hmm. um, but you can tell just from me knowing your family that the kids really love it. And uh, I, I see yeah. Snapchat stories of, you know, blowing out calves and PJs and, you know, that you can yeah. tell that that's their happy place. <laughs> so the question is, what kind of thought process did you go in with them saying, Hey, this is your project. This is your deal. I'm here uh -huh. to help you. Or, or what's that mentality for maybe some of those listening, going through the same battles? 
Yeah. Um, so it's a little different with every kid. I've already learned that. Um, Gavin is the, the type of kid that wants to take on the world, you know, at a very young age. I mean, the kid's got a steer and four sheep and a goat in the barn right now. And he asked me Sunday night if he can show some barrows next year. <laughs> and he didn't like my answer, <laughs> you know, but it comes, it comes very easy with that type of kid because I think it's easy to keep them interested. Mm-hmm. Um, he, he has a very, um, a very easy passion to it. He's, he's always been so drawn to it, uh, that he wants to do everything. He can't get enough of it. So almost to the point where we try to pull him back a little bit and, and try to keep his feet on the ground, because I feel like if I did give him everything we wanted and we overloaded the barn, overloaded ourselves, overloaded our workload, I'd probably burn him out to where he'd want to take a year off and play sports. And I hope that never happened. Right. Um, you know, so, you know, we're constantly saying, Hey, you know, instead of two steers, let's do one or Hey, last year we had six sheep and remember how we were miserable for like, you know, a few weeks, let's do four. Um, you know, some things like that, just to try to keep him a little bit more grounded. Um, to where, you know, total opposite end of the spectrum. I, I shouldn't say it quite like that, but my daughter, Jaden, I, I think she, she naturally loves livestock. Um, but it's not where she wants one of everything or, or five of everything to where like her brother does, you know, she, she very early picked up on wanting to do some pig stuff, which scared me because that was the one thing that I really never showed and had any experience with, but you know, you know, I think we're going to jump in there and we're going to learn and, and try to do what we can. So we, we did show pigs for a couple of years. Um, this year she got a heifer, a pretty good one last fall. And we said, you know what, you're going to get this heifer. You're probably not going to show anything else. Cause she does some, some, she's actually involved in like a, a, a national level cheerleading team. That's really competitive and does a lot of traveling. Mm. Uh, so that's a whole nother circuit, you know, a whole nother topic. Right. Um, man. But you know, because she spends, she spends sometimes 20 plus hours at a gym in Perrysburg. Um, you know, it's not realistic for her to have all the livestock that Gavin does. You know, right. she's got one heifer in the barn instead of, you know, a bunch of pigs or anything else. And I think we've we've quickly come to the realization that she needs to stick with the pigs. Um, she's got a bigger heifer this year that's not made it quite as fun. And no matter what, 100%, first priority for these young kids, it has to be fun. They have to be enjoying it. Um, and if it's not fun and you're having to push them, you should not be doing it. I, mm-hmm. I really think that's the case. Uh, you're either overloading them or you just shouldn't do it all together. There's some kids that don't want to show livestock and, and that's okay. I, I really think it is okay. Um, but you know, I, I think we, we shouldn't be pushing them. We shouldn't be forcing anything on them to the point where they don't enjoy going to the barn. You know, if you have to say it more than once, Hey, it's time to go to the barn, then something's just not right. Right. Um, so let's keep it enjoyable. Let's keep it upbeat. Um, you know, so say with that heifer, because she can push kids around a little bit, you know, I've got to be the one that that's dragging her around a little bit, but you know, she's there every step of the way with me as far as renting, brushing, combing, working hair, everything else. She seems to really enjoy that part of it. And, and of course, you know, all the feeding and stuff is done by kids. Um, that's not something, you know, I, of course we, we, we keep a giant whiteboard the size of the entire wall in here. And, um, you know, we keep everything written out by animal who gets what, you know, but the kids are the ones that do the feeding. Um, and I, and I think that's important, you know, that's the responsibility part that comes with it. They don't get to just do the fun part. 
Um, but they should enjoy even the work parts of it. You know, there's, right. there's always going to be some little things that are less enjoyable than others, but at the end of the day, they've got to enjoy the thing as a whole. Otherwise they should be finding something else that's, that's more suited for them. Yeah. It's, it's tough for like young parents, especially like me mm-hmm. who, where we're, we're raising sheep. We're, you know, in it all the time, but what if my kids aren't, you know, interested at all, you know, right. You right. Know, I, I obviously want to keep well, pursuing my passion and excitement, but you know, if that's not what they're into, then you don't want to push it on them. And, and you're right. Yeah. Like, find something else. If it's not fun for them, don't, don't make it miserable. Exactly. You know, I have five kids. Chances are there may be one that doesn't want to show livestock or that wants to just barely show livestock or maybe have one goat a year. If that's what they want to do, by all means, I'm going to make it happen, you know, but it's a little bit harder to accept that when that's, you know, you, I, if you're anything like me, you dream of your kids someday, you know, getting slapped at state fair or, you know, at Louisville or, or a junior national show or something, you know, so that would be hard to accept if my kids didn't want to show livestock whatsoever. Um, hopefully we don't have to come to that realization here at this house, yeah. but yeah, it would be tough. It would be tough. Yeah. Well, and, and I think, you know, it, it would be discouraging, but also, you know, as a parent, you, you gotta be supportive too. And that's, that's hard to digest. I I mean, it's easy for me to say I'm, I'm the only non-parent on this call right here, but, uh, but I can only imagine, but you know, when it's the opposite or, you know, Hey, if we've got a kid that wants to do it, uh, just support whatever they want to do and make it fun. I think, like you said, if at the end of the day, just make it fun. I think, that's the moral of the story. Yeah. So, well, uh, well yeah. I think we'll switch gears uh, again on you and uh, talk a little bit about your profession. And you kind of talked about uh, being with uh, Colin Bach and doing the form of champions uh, division of that. And we've loved to have uh, that part of our show here. So let's talk a little bit about feed. Um, we, we've had many, many yeah. topics uh, in the past about uh, the feed industry. But I guess the one we're going to bring out is – it is so competitive. I think you know that more than anyone that the feed industry and the you show bet. livestock deal is probably the most competitive and, and always evolving. So how do you yeah. as kind of the division manager think how to stay mm-hmm. relevant within such a highly competitive industry? It is tough. Um, because I'll tell you what, I think somebody taught me this. One of my coworkers actually kind of told me this when I first started. Um, he said, show feeds, selling show feeds is kind of like having to be the cool kid um, at, at recess all the time. If you want to stay the most relevant, if you want to sell out a show feed, your brand has to be the cool kid at recess. And, you know, you kind of laugh about that. And I did, you know, when I first heard it. But kind of thing, is that true? Um, you, you have got to be in front of these showmen and constantly kind of showing off and and have a lot of eye appeal, you know, like there's so much more wrapped up to it on top of having potentially the best lineup of show feed products in the industry. Okay. You can have the best products out there, but boy, if you're, if your marketing isn't on point and you're not doing all those things and getting front of those customers, getting in front of those customers, um, all the time, constantly, uh, you, you may not go very far. So, you know, it's a, it's a combination of things. Now, I'll say, you know, within the Formula Champions brand and at Kalmbach Feeds, we are really, really blessed because I think we've got an outstanding marketing department. 
Um, I think you've got to have a lot of presence on social media and we've got some people, some key people in marketing that that is their job and that's what they do. Uh, and they've, they've helped bring this a long way. We've got some awesome, um, web and print designers that have helped take this thing a long way. Um, now when I, when I kind of started in this position, we kind of gave formula champions a little bit of a rebirth. Uh, a lot of the products had, had already been there and were working well. But we wanted to really step this thing up because before I was in the position, there was really nobody in the position. Okay. Um, you know, there were some other people that, that would help cater to it when it needed it. Um, uh, but it was nobody's, it was nobody's full-time job. Um, you know, so it needed a lot of help. We really needed to give it a big push. Um, so on top of our marketing department, I think probably our best asset is our sales team. Um, team over 60 people. Um, throughout the country and they uh, there's some incredible people and some really good resources what we've kind of done is uh, develop what I call my team of experts and we usually meet a time or two maybe three times a year uh, by species I have my swine team of experts my my beef team of experts you know sheep and goats and um, you know we talk about things like what products are working what is selling high uh, what should we should be pushing harder or maybe if it's not if it's not selling enough, you know, are we doing something wrong with it? Does it need improved or does it need scrapped? You know, we haven't really scrapped too many products. Um, but, you know, I think if it weren't for the incredible team that I have, I I want to make this clear. You know, the success of Formula Champions is not because of Levi Richards. It's because the team that I have um, standing not behind me, but beside me, um, we work really well together. And, and these are team efforts, and I I couldn't be happier with the group of people that I get to call coworkers. And you know, some of them have evolved into best friends through the years. Um, I talk to a lot of these guys daily, and you know, just talk about you know this barrow that I was watching this morning. You know, at a county fair, boy, we we were awfully pumped to see this one when we went and checked on him last week, and we thought, boy, this thing's got a pretty good shot. He ends up fourth overall. It was great good family, you know, and good feeders, um, you know, and, and I had one of my uh, show pig team of experts guys with me when I was at that farm last week. And we do a lot of traveling and, and I try to get on as many farms as I possibly can because I love the one-on-one -on -one interaction with people. And I know that, you know, because I was once in those shoes, I know the resource that, that people need, you know, the desire for the help that people want on the feed side. Because I can think back myself, you know, a couple of those red steers I mentioned earlier, had they been fed a little bit better or a little more correctly, I probably could have gotten along with them in the long run a little bit better than what I did. You know, mm. uh, we'd have good runs. But I, I remember distinctly my last year with steers at State Fair and like I had a steer, red steer, giant hip, big bone, cool neck. Everything was right there. And um walking in the ring and, and immediately caught the judge's eye. He walked up to him and, you know, start handling him. And you could just see the, the color leave his face. And, and this steer just didn't have an ounce of fat on him. And, you know, he was a good steer, but he, he wasn't near finished. And I think that's so detrimental. And I, I think it's still a common problem today. There are more steers as fat steers hit the ring at these county fairs that are not finished enough than what there are uh, finished correctly, you know, so prime example and, and what I can relate to and maybe what even draw drew, drew my focus and my passion towards the feed industry. 
you know, thinking back towards that fear, I needed that help and I just didn't have it, mm-hmm. you know? Oh, um, man. so I, I yeah. want to be that resource and I, I want my team of experts to be the resources for, for those kids out there who are doing everything else and just maybe missing a little bit on the feed side. And that's what I hope my team of experts and our sales team, uh, is as a resource to those families. Yeah, no doubt. Um, you know, you talked about your marketing team and, uh, I think they, yeah, they did something pretty cool um, here recently, and they uh, mm-hmm. they committed to advertising on Stock Talk podcasts. Just, just <laughs> That's that right. Just, <laughs> yep. throw, just yep. throw that out there. Uh, reaching thousands uh-huh. and uh-huh. thousands and thousands weekly. Um, anyway, yeah. <laughs> self promotion <laughs> at its finest. Um, but no, seriously, it, it is so so competitive, and and everybody has their own. Um, I guess set list of, of where they focus their attention and things like that. And that one-on-one interaction is, is unique and it's good. And, um, you know, something I, I don't think is, um, necessarily overlooked by others, but you know, mm-hmm. it is an advantage to have that type of mentality going into, you know, your show season. And speaking of which we are, we, we talked a little bit off air, just where we're at with County fair season. It's, uh, in the Midwest, if you listen in the South, uh, you have no idea what we go through in the month of July, uh, as far as county fairs are <laughs> concerned. It is it is wild. I had a buddy of mine said that he was judging nine county fairs in ten days uh, here, and and he's like right in the middle of it, and uh-huh. um, it is it is just absolutely wacky wild. And why we do it is beyond me. But um, you, you talk about nutrition and, and how you guys kind of work with these families on an individual basis um, and try to get close with them. But in general, what should families be considering from mm-hmm. start to finish when you, when you think about County fair season, when they get those projects yeah. in March or, or April and um, you know, what, what's kind of a plan that you, you would consider um one for most county fair families that they can kind of get started mm-hmm. and, and be on the path for success. Yeah, I you know, I think this is really important because I think everybody, no matter who they are, where they're at, what level they're playing at, I think everyone should have, you know, another person um that they can bounce some ideas off of, you know, whether it be the breeder or, you know, somebody maybe somebody from a feed company or whoever, but have have just an extra person that's been there and and has some experience that they can work with and, and do some things with. It doesn't have to be somebody that's won every national show, but just somebody that's been there and uh been around the block a little bit, uh, I think is great. I myself, I you know, we we look for somebody that we can can work with as far as a breeder, um, you know, getting sheep from and even getting a steer from, we looked really hard on, on who we could use that, who we could trust and who would be a good resource and, um, you know, kind of stay involved with us, um, before we even decided who to buy our livestock from. And that was really important from the beginning, but, you know, let's, let's say we're there and we've established that, you know, as far as the feed program goes for these, these families just getting started, um, you know, I, I hope by all means that you can get your hands on some Combox feed or Formula Champions products, but use what's available to you and what's going to be fresh. Uh, I think that means uh, as much as anything, we can make a lot of these feed products work. Some just work better than others is what I always say. 
Um, you know, so use what, what you can easily get um, and, and what is proven a little bit. And let's start by keeping it simple. Let's just, you know, let's get the steer home in October and let's just give him one complete feed. We don't have to go supplement crazy from the beginning. Let's just see what he's going to do. Just feed on him for a little while. As long as we're feeding him enough, we should be able to see some, some results and see how that, how that thing is going to grow and how he's going to mature, um, you know, and, you know, what direction we're headed. Um, you know, and from there, we can maybe start playing with some supplements when we absolutely need to. But at Kalmbach and, and within Formula Champions, we preach the saying, feed the phenotype. You know, so what that means is, is feeding the physical build of the animal. And let's not just throw uh, supplements and top dresses in there just because, oh, it looks cool. Oh, hey, this ad is pretty cool. We, we got to feed this one because they fed it. No, let's look at our steer and let's see what does he actually need. You know, I think, I think people could get so supplement crazy on, on all species. Okay. But I see it probably more on cattle than anything that they're feeding so many supplements. They're taken away from what the complete feed from can do. Mm -hmm. And, you know, within formula champions, we try to make our complete feeds work so that they alone can get the job done. Okay. Um, you know, I think one of the biggest things here, here, I'll give you a prime example. One of my biggest, it's almost become a pet peeve. I start getting it February and March every single year. My steer has a high flank, so I should be giving it a bunch of beet pulp and filler up or cottonseed hulls or this supplement and that self supplement. And it's like, no, okay, you need, you can use those things for show day fill. But I think in my opinion, I would rather you be feeding more complete feed. Let's get the steer fat and get him finished enough before we start throwing fiber in there. And because in the long run, you know, adding all that fiber is going to keep, from um from getting enough of the calories out of that feed or that's that's space in that gut that we could be feeding calories into and we're just throwing him filler and in the long run it's going to hurt us from getting him finished enough you know so you know let's use a little bit more of that complete feed let's feed him a little bit harder over time that that flank is going to drop naturally because he's getting finished not because you gave him all that filler because then once we get to 11 1200 pounds He's going to be chubby enough that we can really coast him in. And then we can start using some of those top dresses to fine tune him. And they're going to be more effective and you're going to have a finished product at the end of the day. Yeah. And I think the simplicity piece is so important because I, I, mm -hmm. I honestly, the more I see it, uh, I think we as humans get a little ambitious of just manipulating an animal. And I don't mean that in a bad way, but like we have control over sure. what this thing eats. So the newest, greatest, latest product is what we want to try, which in some cases isn't all bad, but if the feed is good, you shouldn't have to supplement as much. Now, I know that means we mm -hmm. can, if one needs more shape, we up the protein. If we need to fluff one up, we, we add some fat here and there. It's little things, you know, the basic things, but keeping it simple, uh, can really be a benefit sometimes, and I'm as guilty as charged of getting a little too it. excited and changing a little too uh -huh. fast. Now with the hog thing, it changes very rapidly. But I, I think what you <laughs> say is is so important of just just uh, calming down a little bit, keeping it simple, and yes. monitoring daily. Yes. Yes. Now you know. Let me let me say I I don't want to come across as a supplement hater because you're going to find out here real soon just how much Formula Champions and our team loves top dresses and supplements. Just sneak peek of what may be coming in the future. All right. But um, 
we, we put all the work behind these complete feeds for a reason. We've got uh, PhD nutritionists on staff that they hit every single micro ingredient to a T and we get those levels exactly where we want them before we launch a new feed and we trial a new feed um, for a reason. You know, we, we don't want you to depend on a supplement to make your feed work. And I think that's an issue out there in the industry. I think there are a couple lines out there that you're, you're going to depend on those supplements to make the feeds work. But I can say as an, as a competitive advantage with Combox feeds and at formula champions, I, I don't think that's the case. I think if anything, we're about, because we, we're one of the few companies that will put some of our top dresses right in our complete feed. Right. So, you know, you've got products like fully charged, that, you know, just for example, that's our kind of our coasting holding heifer feed for once we get them big and grown and, and, you know, chubby enough, you know, we get the right bloom and shape on them. Then now it's time to just kind of let them chill for a little bit. You feed fully charred. So that one is, we add a lot of the cottonseed hulls and beet pulp, but we throw like, say our, our filler up pellet, um, is, is right in that feed. Mega champ is a feed for steers. Once we get them finished and we want to just kind of fine tune them, we put show and glow and filler up and power finish. Those, those are three of our premium top dresses. Those are right there in that feed. So right. yeah, I, like I said, I don't want to be a supplement hater, but at the same time, let's keep it simple. Let's trust the work behind the complete feed. Yeah. Yep. Exactly. One more pause in the action folks. Actually, it's not the last one, but we got to tell you about the amazing group at legacy livestock imaging, Charles and Heidi Anderson are at it again. Folks, if you have not seen the amazing work that they've done, not only outside of the show ring with graduation parties and weddings, you can hire them to do that. Or they can come to your show. Have you seen what they did at the exposition? Holy buckets. Their team is phenomenal. They are on top of the game. They're the best in the business. Legacy Livestock Imaging, not only great pictures, but they're great people. That's who you want on your team. Go to LegacyLivestockImaging.com to buy an image or to book a session, LegacyLivestockImaging.com. Well, um, I think this whole whole episode has been uh, a moment of drop the mic, but uh, since you're already <laughs> our sponsor, this works out really well. Right. Uh, and, and we've truly appreciated the support that uh, Colin Bach as a whole ha has given us and uh, the partnership we have formed. Uh, so I, I wanted to say that before we kind of wrap things up and been interesting conversation yeah. and, and the way you're raising your kids is fun to watch. And, uh, so I really appreciate it. So, uh, before we do wrap up, I, I want to uh, allow you to drop the mic. I think you've listened to a couple other ones and, uh, whatever you have oh, yeah. on your mind and, uh, I'll let you drop the mic. Sweet. All right. So, and well, before I get into that, I want to say thank you guys because I think the partnership has been great both ways. And uh, I know that, that our relationship with Stock Talk has allowed us to get further out, uh, out West. I've actually picked up uh, an awesome new show pig uh, feeder slash dealer in Montana that I've enjoyed working with and a couple new guys, Idaho and uh, we've grown so much in Florida and Texas and Louisiana and Arkansas, and I, I could go on and on. But I know a lot of that reaches because of Stock Talk, because we've been in magazines for years. I mean, and I mean years and, and not got the organic growth that we have since we've been doing some podcast work. So thank you for that. Um, That's awesome. Now, as far as the drop the mic goes, I do have something to go or to, to go with here that's been bugging the crap out of me. Um, I, I'll say this. I, 
you know, just getting started uh, with my kids showing, uh, we want to be able to give them the opportunity to go to state fair. However, we've learned that it's still important to keep them home with their friends and, you know, let their, their close family see them show at county fair. I think it is really important. Um, for them to get that experience. And I, I say it on the mic, you know, when I when I judge county fairs, there is just something special and unstatable about winning your county fair. However, at Wood County Fair here uh, in Ohio, and it's not like this in all states, but our dates set right on top of Ohio State Fair. And, you know, we've dealt with it for years. Um, when my When my brother was showing at State Fair, my wife, the saint would run back and forth and be rinsing the steer twice a day and keep things alive. Or we would have to hire somebody to just hang out at our barn for three days while we were down there um, showing sheep. And it's, it's not fun. And I, I really think these county fairs need to coordinate with our state fair and work out a system so that no county fair dates should ever overlap with any state fair dates whatsoever. And the reason why it's really gotten got me worked up this year more than ever because of the changes in the state fair schedule, which there's some good and some issues I have with that alone, but there that's going to be cool. I understand what they're trying to do. However, um, by them condensing all these species to show within a couple days, I think they're going to be hurting some of the opportunities that some of those kids should have, not only even at their county fairs that conflict with the state fair, but you know, within showing multiple species at the state fair itself. So I think we need to step back and say, if we want to really give every opportunity to these kids, we need to make sure that we're giving them every bit that we can. And that means, you know, the state fair dates not overlapping with any county fairs. And that should be a simple fix. I know it's, it's going to be complicated in the grand scheme of things. But if you really look at it, I, I don't think it would be hard to do to move some weeks around with, you know, for one county or another and uh, and be able to give those kids those opportunities to go to both. It is, it is so important. And, you know, we spend the time, we spend the money and, and everything else, the, the passion and emotion that goes into it alone, uh, to me, is worth being able to give the kids both of those experiences and not have to pick one or the other. And we're very much in that boat this year. Uh, so I hope it improves in the future. And I hope we can work together and get these county fairs to coordinate with each other and, uh, and not overlap with state fair dates at all going forward. Yeah. Well, that's, that's a very interesting concept and it makes a lot of sense because, you know, some, I know actually off the top of my head, at least three County fairs that are right on top of state fair time. And I guess, you know, Mm -hmm. trying to see both sides, you've got all species kind of showing at different, different weeks within those three, two to three weeks. And, and I guess that could be challenging no matter where you're at, but at least have some leniency there where if a kid wanted to, uh, get to the state fair and and their county fair. Try to manage that as much as possible. Mm-hmm. But no, I I think that makes a lot of sense. And uh, <laughs> I I was fortunate enough growing up in Fayette County. We kind of talked about this last episode where I had two weeks to prepare for that. But um, you know now that you know maybe the state fair is not terminal other than Grand Reserve. We can start playing that game yep. of you know if your if your county fair is after you can pull those things back and. Uh, and get the animals where they need to be for county fair. Uh, shoot, if you win the state fair and don't get to show at your county fair, I think you accomplished a pretty good goal there. But uh, to your point, yeah. I, I think that makes a lot of sense, um, just trying to manage that. I think there's a rule in Ohio, I might be wrong on this, that uh, 
neighboring counties can't have the same week. So I'm sure there's correct. Yeah, that is true. One heck of a scheduling. I don't know who made it in the first place. I surely wouldn't want that job, but to you know to manipulate that a little bit, um, I actually thinks it think it makes more sense to have neighboring counties the same week instead of maybe the state to, to open up that week of state fair two weeks. But uh, interesting. I like should it. Should be illegal. <laughs> should be illegal to have county fairs and state fairs at the same time. You got it. Yep, exactly. <laughs> yep. Well, uh, we really appreciate your time here, Levi, and and really appreciate the team uh, Formative Champions and Colin Bach for being part of the podcast and just kind of a bonus to this episode. So I uh, hope uh, county fair season treats you well and state fair season since uh, you might go at both. Yep. <laughs> so um, we appreciate we'll be it. Both. Oh, yeah, we'll be at both. <laughs> <laughs> Awesome. Yeah. yeah. Well, well thank, thank you guys Levi. so much for having me. It, yeah, it's been an absolute blast. I love love listening to you guys. I've been a fan for a long time, so I was excited to jump here, jump on here with you. Well, thanks again. Whoa, good stuff. Good guy. Yep. Really appreciate uh, him jumping on and in the partnership that we've gained uh, throughout uh, the couple years that we've been with Colin Bach. It's been pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. And just. Super genuine too, and I what I liked the most about visiting with Levi. Not that I was worried about it, but when you have a sponsor guest on the show, you wonder just how sales pitchy they are going to be. Right? Not at all. No. Nope. I mean, we told Levi's story. We did talk about Kalmbach, but that's part of his story. Yeah. Right. So it wasn't anything like out uh, out of the normal, I guess, for an episode. So yeah, I enjoyed that part of it too. Levi's been real fun. I saw him at a judging contest, and uh, he was just kind of sharing some funny stuff. So I thought, man, he'd be a real fun one to get on. So yeah, yeah. Uh, we appreciate him. And uh, thank you for your patience yet again. Uh, the technical difficulties really threw a wrench at us. Um, and it worked out because Corey got to visit the new place here, got to record in person. So uh, things are all good here at Stock Talk. So yeah, anything else, Corey? Well, I just would like to continue to encourage folks um, calling in. Mm-hmm. 234-320-0457. I've never read that number before, and so here you've, we go. You've, you've, you've learned it. Yes. Um, save us in your phone. Give us a give us a call. Let us uh, let us know what's on your brain. Yes. Maybe, maybe you just need a vent. Need to vent. Uh, what better platform to do that than on Stock Talk? Maybe you have a topic of discussion you'd like us to bring up and yeah. provide your own opinion about. And you can even call in and say, "Hey, don't put this on the podcast, but here's what I think you should talk about." Right. And then we don't we won't put it on. Yeah. Or if you want us to put it in, you let us know. We might. It's literally a voicemail, so you can say whatever. Yeah. This this show is about you, for you, and uh, that's what we'd like to do. So, Trevor, I will say this before we wrap things up. I have thoroughly enjoyed this summer of judging shows mm-hmm. and the amount of people that have just said, hey, really appreciate what you're doing on the podcast. We listen to you, all that. I don't know if they're trying to get like a leg up on... <laughs> Maybe an advantage uh, politically in the show ring. I doubt it. I just think uh, it's so cool when we're out and about and we see uh, you folks across different states that are 
listening and take time to come and say, hey, we are normal dudes. Um, yeah. We just like to talk about livestock. Yeah. And uh, I've seen a lot of hats around ringside, yeah. some shirts. Yep. If you don't have your hat or shirt, you still can. StockTalk-podcast.com. Go to our shop. We've got some some merch. Uh, I try to send it out the next day. So I'm looking at some merch right now. Yeah. I mean. Lots of ladies' tees. Ladies' tees. We have the long sleeve. I mean, it's going to be fall before you know it. Yep. Uh, we've got some really cool white t-shirts with the Stock Talk uh deal on it uh and and all the hats all the hats you could think of yeah so we uh we really honestly if you guys would like to help us clear out our inventory so we can get some new stuff in oh we found some wicked next level stuff i i think yeah is oh i'm pumped but fall season's coming up and we know it so uh we'll have to get back with our friends at fairs but uh anywho good luck at your county fairs and gearing up for your state fairs yeah and uh I yeah, guess it's we'll, state fair season. It is. Yeah, we're we're about in the thick of it. Maybe we should do a state into fair. the thick of it. <laughs> <laughs> Too much TikTok. <laughs> uh, we uh, we should do a state fair episode, kind of like the county fair episode. Yeah, but for state fairs. Yep. Let's do it. Yeah, we've got some other topics that we need to discuss anyway. But um, right. anywho, um, I think we got the technical issues worked out. Yep. Um, and we will plan to be back next week uh because now we've got the thing is i updated the the laptop so it kind of screwed some things up yeah so anyway um folks have a really good week enjoy the fair that you're going to or the fair you just got done with or the fair you're preparing for or just the next show do anything but just have a good time we we got to have a good time yep that's what it's all about thanks for listening we will see you next week